Hey everybody, it's time to talk about our corporate overlords, benevolent they may be, over at Fangoria. This classic magazine has been at it for over 40 years and is better than ever. Not only is Fango highly collectible, if you get yourself an annual subscription, it comes right to your door four times a year. And each issue is filled to the brim with articles exploring every nook and cranny of genre filmmaking past, present, and future. With all the most exciting journalists, filmmakers, and horror know-it-alls to guide the way, including your intrepid KingCast hosts. This high-quality writing will only ever appear within the physical pages of the magazine, so if you want to join in on the fun, well, you'll need to subscribe. And to do that, all you have to do is head on over to Fangoria.com and sign up. And since KingCast listeners are in the family, you can enter in the promo code KingCast at checkout to save a whopping 25% off your entire order. And with all of that said, on with the show. My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Red rum! Red rum! Well, sometimes that is better. Hello and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. This week, we're undertaking another official KingCast experiment, and it's one we've been wanting to pull off for some time now. Uh, What we've done is shown the Dark Tower movie to someone who's never read a single one of the books purely to find out what such a person would make of an adaptation like this. So to pull this off, we've enlisted a very talented actress whose work you've seen on Castle uh, in Walk Hard, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and most recently in last year's skin-crawling horror film, Agnes, which we'd recommend to just about anyone looking for a, a good, solid horror watch. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the KingCast stage, Ms. Molly Quinn. Molly, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so tickled you have by dogs. that intro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of uh, demon dogs. Very what dangerous. Kind, what kind of dogs are there? Oh, I have a terrifying 14-year-old three-pound Yorkie. Did Was it bred to be terrifying? Like, <laughs> Yes, yes. I got it from uh, Scary Dogs Incorporated. <laughs> and, and then I have a little mutt. She's eight pounds, some type of, uh, what would you call that? Uh, poodle mix. So their names are Piper and Pikachu. And um, as scary as they are, they are my complete heart and soul. Yeah, my uncle used to have poodles. And they were they were rowdy, rowdy dogs. Yeah, they're so rowdy and so cute. She's such a little nightmare. Like, I love little baby lizards <laughs> and stuff like that. And she's constantly killing them. I just find them dead all over the house. It's so mean. It's like you're not even eating them. You're just leaving them dead in corners she, of the house. She's hunting <laughs> for sport. <laughs> she yeah. is. She really is. A new predator. Yeah. You, you <laughs> yeah. got the ghost in the darkness living in your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I had I, I I've had that problem with my own dogs too. Like in uh in my house, the there's a lot of lizards around. We live on the boonies on the on the rim of Austin, and uh, yeah, there's uh, there's been quite a bit of uh, lizard infestation in the backyard, and they do the same thing. They just bonk them with their noses until Aww. until they stop moving, and I'm like. <laughs> All right. Well, that seems it seems unnecessarily cruel, but you know, you animals, you guys have your own laws and rules and morality, so I'm not going to get involved. 
that's kind of right. We we can't understand the morality of dogs. I wish we could because I think they're much better than than people. Um, but unfortunately, they're just um, really too far advanced for mm-hmm. us to ever fully understand. I agree. Probably mm-hmm. better than people. Uh, the next evolution of consciousness, I think, is dogs, not AI. Those they <laughs> seem to have it figured out. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Especially when they lick point. their buttholes and 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 on balls. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That aren't is we true. all jealous? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it would be it would make any day more interesting. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, they s- seem to like it. Is all I'm saying. So. Yes. Yeah. They know something we don't. That's the thing. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a question I wanted to ask you. Like you're, uh, and I mentioned this credit in your in your intro that you were in Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, a film I am a, a huge fan of. I was unaware of this. I, I pulled this information off of Wikipedia. I see your role here was teen with pinups. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit, please? What isn't super clear about that? <laughs> um, um. <laughs> what, scene, what scene is this? <laughs> okay, so uh, it's so funny how grateful I am to that movie and how it has truly stayed with me uh, my entire career. Uh so your first, first thing, right? Yeah, it, it, it got me into the union, which was a huge deal. Um, so I was a I was a minor. I was, you know, 14 years old. And uh, the scene was supposed to be like a, a montage when Dewey Cox is rising to fame. And I'm tacking up his poster on my wall and I kind of clutch my my breast and I say, he walks so hard. <laughs> I know exactly the part you're talking about. <laughs> and, and that was the audition too. Um, <laughs> and, and that's that's all I got to say. And I remember, you know, because I was an actor, you know, you, you get the script, but because I was a minor, the script was redacted like you see um, FBI documents. So like I couldn't read <laughs> anything except for like occasional blurbs and then like my line in there. And it's so funny because I, it was so visual because um, the script had gone through so many uh, different versions. It was like a kaleidoscope of colors. And, you know, this was back when they weren't really sending everything over email. So you got sent like a, a hard copy. So it was this giant tome, multicolored. And so you wanted to read it. It was so pretty and then just completely redacted couldn't read a thing. Uh, yeah. And then I learned years later from Alan, who was actually in a meeting uh, with one of the producers and, and he was just talking about me because I'm wonderful and he's lucky to have me as his fiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the producer goes, Oh, I remember Molly. I remember that day there had been like a production snafu and we were filming the big orgy on that day, but we couldn't have a minor on set. So we had to like completely construct these pathways for her to get to set without seeing anything else that was happening. <laughs> and it was so funny because from my perspective, I remember getting there that day, everyone being so nice to me. I got this huge trailer that had like a hot tub in it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is star treatment. But actually, they were just stalling for time because they had scheduled these two kind of conflicting scenes on the same day. Probably setting a precedent that 
you know, uh, the rest of a, a an early career could not match. Oh my like, god, the, everything has dimmed in comparison, quite honestly, <laughs> to that trailer and to that set. Uh, and I got to meet John C. Riley, who I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of still to this day. And he was super kind and, and sweet. Which, when you're a kid, um, I don't know. It's really important. It's important. Uh, so I really appreciated how how nice hmm. he was to me. Are you yeah. a person who can wash themselves on film? I thought you said wash as in W-A-S-H. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I, I think I could. I, I do it on a regular That's basis. That's a very pers- personal question. Mr. <laughs> 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 it would be kind uh, of pertinent, though, because there have been celebrities in the last few years who have come out as like not washing themselves. Mm. Oh, that no. was not the question I asked. You know, I'll save that for when Ashton Kutcher comes on the show. But <laughs> um like, do you do you watch your own stuff back? Yes, yeah, I do. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I I enjoy it. Um, I I tend to learn something that I can take with me on something else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also for me. It's it's fun to watch that stuff with with people you care about, you know, and 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 to be celebrated because you don't get a lot of wins being an artist being an actor, you know, for the one thing mm-hmm. that you book, you know, for this one line in this one movie, um, I had had a hundred auditions that I hadn't booked. Uh, so it's, it's important to, to celebrate those things. I think it's, it's the same way of like, whenever anyone wants to watch F boy Island, I will sit down and rewatch it with them because I'm just so proud and, and happy for a like in the same with, with all my friends. I am, I'm very, I think it's very important to, to celebrate and kind of, Rewatch those things and take yourself out of it. You know, I'm not critiquing myself. I don't expect myself to be amazing. It's just like the whole process was amazing. Right. That deserves a a pat on the back. Yeah. And even if you were bad, you still got a hot tub in your trailer. So that's a good memory one way or another. Sometimes I have been bad. I've rewatched stuff of mine and been like, that was dog shit. But that's okay. <laughs> we'll do better next time. <laughs> because you've uh, mentioned Alon a few times, I, I do want to point out for the listeners: you are the fiance of for other another former Kingcast guest, uh, Mister Alon Gale, who came on and talked to us about uh, vampire vampire piss, pee. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. a few months ago uh, for the Night Flyer episode, which. That episode is like one of our most popular episodes. Like, just blew the fucking doors off with that one. He is, uh, he is a very, very funny man. Uh, he well, must, you guys uh, are funny, and he's funny. So those things brought together, it was just hilarious. Well, he's a he's a genius. I only recently started watching F Boy Island. Um, it was like a thing on my to do list, and there's just so much shit, and I hadn't gotten around to it. And the other day, I, I sat down and started watching it. I was like, oh, this is some wild shit. This is interesting. Uh, he must be a, he's a creative madman, that guy. Got to oh, respect yeah. it. Oh, I, and, and I do. And, you know, I let it go to his head because I think it's good for his uh, artistic process. He's uh, <laughs> yeah. He would turn red at me saying this, but like, you know, Alon's obsessed with Lenny Bruce. And for me, <laughs> I believe the it. type of, right, and, and the type of things he's making, like F-Boy Island, it's like just this continuation of a very specific kind of comedy. And so for mm-hmm. me watching, it's like, wow, he's really just honoring these artists that he's loved. Uh, and it's just it, as entertaining as it is, like you said, it's so smart. So having that extra layer of like, yeah, you can watch this, just leave it on in the background, like you'll have a good time. But if you pay attention to it and the structure, 
you really see this kind of master plan. Yeah, it's very cleverly crafted. I'm about to say the same thing that every other person has said about this fucking show, but like it's it's really not what you would think it is looking at it from the outside. You know, you really got to get into it to sort of soak up the vibe they're going with and how just how it's constructed is very interesting. I'll say that. Uh, definitely recommend yeah. it to the people. Yeah. At home. Watch so, it now, F Boy Island. <laughs> yeah. After, well, after they listen to the podcast, we want to, we want to, we need those listens, baby. But, um, you know, uh, everyone in the audience go watch uh, Fuckboy Island right after this. <laughs> uh, well, let's start here, as we always do. Uh, what, what is, what is your Stephen King origin story? When did you first become aware of our show's namesake? I mean, who, who's not aware, mm-hmm. at, at least of, of the name Stephen King? Of course. Uh, I feel like it's always just kind of floating in the air all around. Uh, and he's such a, a draw for creative people. So everyone around me loves Stephen King. And people will probably uh, despise me because I, I've never read one of his books. Um, I don't know why. Uh, I just, I, I never went that way. But I love the movies that have been uh, mm-hmm. based off of his literature. Uh, the Mist is one of my favorite movies, uh, just, just brutal and scary and character driven. Uh, and, and, and probably I'm just a little spoiled, spoiled quite honestly, because a lot of the adaptations of his work are so good that I'm like, uh, I'll wait for the movie, which just makes me sound so terrible, but I'm letting that be how it is. That's totally, that's a totally fine approach. You know, obviously, we've had people on the show that have not read King before, but are more familiar with the movies. And that's that is a OK. The first time we did that uh, was with Elijah Wood and some of the listeners were outraged. Like, how oh can you do this? Like, no, we got to we got to get uh, King appreciators from all walks of life on this show. We're not going for just the hardcore nerds here. So uh, you're in good company. And, um, you know, uh, I, I well, what are your what are your preferred? movies like shining misery that sort of thing yes shining misery uh the mist like i said uh yes. those are definitely top three i'm curious about how do you how do you feel about the ending of the mist oh i love the ending of the mist to me it's, kind it's of one divisive. of divisive oh it, it's um for me it's perfect i i more have an issue with movies when they don't end that way um, and, and I felt that way since I was a little kid, like, like honestly, tiny bit of a tangent, but going back to being a little redheaded girl, uh, everyone was like, Oh, she must love the little mermaid. A, I hated the little mermaid. <laughs> I hated it so much because there was no, I was like, this is not how the world works at six years old. I was like, this is not possible. You don't get everything you want. And I was like, it can't be real. I was like, it just, it can't be real. This can't be real. And I was so obsessive and annoying about it that my grandfather got me the book and I read the book. And in the book, that's not how it ends. Um, Mm -hmm. The sea witch knew from the beginning that the prince was going to be married to someone else. She tricks this poor girl into giving up her life. And guess what? She dies. She turns to sea foam. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this is right. Like it really validated my sense <laughs> of, of cynicism. Your, your eight-year-old cynicism. <laughs> yeah. So so for me, the mist, I'm like, yes, 
<laughs> yes, that's what you would do if you recognized <laughs> that you were about to be saved when you thought you were going to die and so you mercy kill people. Yeah, you're going to turn that on yourself. Like, that's just real. Mm. <laughs> Molly Quinn coming out hard in favor of murdering strangers and your own child if the shit has gone down. Strong yes. opinion. I admire. It's mercy. It's mercy. <laughs> <laughs> she says as she's standing over the pile of corpses. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like, not a pile. They're very organized. <laughs> they're they're, they're in, in their drawers. I'm not an yeah. animal. Yeah. Um, it's you know the approach of saying like, well, I'll just wait for the movie is is a viable one given when it when it pans out right, like when when yes. it's a misery when it's. Well, debatably a shining because that's only sure. barely, you know, but but also, um, you know, the the downside of that is that the other 50 percent of the time when they're just fucking clunkers, you know, and there's just mm. no getting around that. So then you're robbing yourself of a good story a little bit. But, you know, shit happens. And <laughs> and this is actually relevant because, you know, uh, we've got you on today to talk about the Dark Tower movie. Which, um, well, we've been we've been wanting to do what we're about to do for a long time. And the idea <laughs> like something Eric and I have talked about pretty frequently is like, what the fuck does somebody who's never read these books make of this movie? Right. You know, and I've 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 seen a few people like I, I, I'm pretty sure I've, uh, you know, voiced that same question on on Twitter or something at some point. And so I've seen like random responses from, you know, just just strangers who are who, you know, have opinions on all that. Um, but uh, it's uh, we wanted a we wanted somebody who was uh, well, we wanted a full scale interpretation of this. We wanted we wanted to really roll like have that conversation mm. not just go back and forth with, with someone on Twitter. So I'm I'm really eager to hear what you made of this. Uh, in fact, just this morning, uh, I sat down with a buddy of mine and watched watched it again. He, and it turned out he had never read the books. He had never seen them, mm. but he owned a copy because it was like nine dollars on fucking 4K or something. And uh, <laughs> and um, that's why I actually have it on Blu-ray as well. And the only reason I own that movie, uh, which is something I swore I'd never add to my collection whenever I walked out of the theater. Um was because it was like four bucks on on Black Friday. I'm like, well, I'm gonna have to watch it again for the show. I know I am, and so I'm gonna save my rental fee or whatever and just just throw it right. on the, the shelf. So, uh, so Molly, um, can you tell <laughs> us a little bit about the Dark Tower movie? Like, what it what what is this movie about? First and foremost. Ooh, okay, all right. It's about two brothers, and when <laughs> chaos happens. They gotta, they gotta fight crime. Mm -hmm. The mm. crime is is a evil southerner who can <laughs> command people to kill themselves. Mm. Um, <laughs> except for this one, the, the one brother, the one gunslinger. <laughs> he can't, he can't control his mind, mm. which is which is great for gunslinger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, um, and that's you, and and of course you're talking about Jake, the young boy. Yes. And I'm sorry. I The thing that happened to me when watching this movie where I kept thinking about multiverse uh, Rick and Morty episodes. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and uh, I think you should leave sketches. 
<laughs> Elaborate on that, please. Okay, so this movie, I could sum this up. Well, there was the saying... baby beauty pageant that Idris Elba oversees. I don't know if you remember that part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, great part. Um, but I could sum this movie up by saying, there's too much shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> there's just yes. too much going on. The chin kills. It, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's a very it's a very busy movie. There's there's yes. not a lot of room to breathe in this. Movie. No, all all in this ninety minute runtime, which for me is usually excellent. Like I see ninety minutes, I'm like, oh, sweet spot, gonna be great. Um, so so in all seriousness, we we open on a young troubled boy who's very good at drawing. He's a very good drawer. Um, his his mother, uh. And his his stepfather um, are concerned about him, mm-hmm. and and we're also getting glimpses of this alternative reality, or or a multiverse where all these other children seem to be in like a wrinkle in time type of situation where their little Apple watches call them <laughs> to be strapped into chairs, and then yeah. all their sad juice. Is turned into a beam uh-huh. and and shot at this at this dark tower. Mm. There's this dark mm-hmm. tower, and and I was like, okay, are they are they feeding the dark tower? Is this like a Sauron type of thing, mm-hmm. or are they yes. trying to to knock it down? Because the dark tower looks scary. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't look like a beacon of light. It looks um, ominous. Yeah, foreboding. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, and. Uh, and let's see. Oh yes. And then all their skin is falling off. Everyone's skin is falling off. Uh-huh. Um, which was fun to look at. I'll give them that. That was that was a cool effect. I, I really liked this this the skin seams. Yes. Uh, so uh, this nerdy little boy who's good at drawing uh, cold clocks this kid at school. Mm-hmm. Like just wails on this kid because he makes fun of him. I can't remember if it was, you know, one of those classic "your dad died, so you're a loser" situations yes. or mm-hmm. what, but something like that, right? Um, okay, and so his parents are like, "Little Billy, you're too violent, and your drawings are weird. We're sending you to an <laughs> asylum." <laughs> <laughs> Which is very 1980s of this movie, by the way. Yes, that, that was yes. the, <laughs> yes. the 80s response to this, the Return to Oz style yes. movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so the the Mrs. Trunchable character um, comes over to the house to take little Billy away. And, <laughs> and already kind of on the fence, like he doesn't trust this because he doesn't want to go to an asylum. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then... He sees the skin seam and he's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, the best way for me to get out of this situation is to take my mom aside and word salad her to death <laughs> because that's not going to put me in the asylum. She's going to understand this time. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. Shocker. Now these, these uh, people whose skin is falling off, as you put it. Um, are working at the behest of a character played by Matthew McConaughey. Um, tell us about tell us about Matthew McConaughey's character. Mm, mm, yes. What is yes, his then. name? Is it Magix? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I he, think no, it's Walter. He, yes, yes, yes. Uh, he is Walter known as Walter Magix. 
<laughs> one thing, one thing I caught on this viewing is that another character, and I think it's Jake, the uh, talking to Roland, or one of the other mentions Walter to the other, right? Yeah. But it's before the movie actually tells us that that is Matthew McConaughey's name. Yes. So if you don't, if you hadn't read the books, you know, like I'm sitting there watching it and thinking, like, oh well, uh. No one. In fact, uh, my buddy that I was watching with was like, who is Walter? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, well, that's, it was a complicated answer for that. And <laughs> then I then I realized like, oh, wait, no, they just haven't said his fucking name yet. So uh, what are what are Walter's powers? What is what does he do in this world? OK, so um, for me, I will say that I tied in his image in the kids mm. drawings. Yes. Very to, good. to being Walter. Um, I'm very astute. I'm a good yes. movie watcher, you guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, Can so tell. his powers. His powers are <laughs> that he can... He can tell anyone in the world what to do. He can, like, stare at them and bring up their dead relatives because that makes people upset. People yes. don't like being confronted by their dead dad. They don't like As it. A- as we learned with the the bully scene earlier in the movie, yes. Yes, no one likes it. It's it's a real trigger for everybody. Yes. Um so yes, yeah, so Walter Magics can do that. Um <laughs> He he also can like do this thing where he touches people and then leaves red marks on them. Mhm. Uh I don't really understand that one. Um, but he does that to the one poor mute woman in this movie who like doesn't get a line out, which was very infuriating. I'm like, why is she there? Yeah. Did Matthew McConaughey just like read the script and go, I got to be sexy. I got to come on to some women. So we got to throw some <laughs> women in this movie. Like, I swear to God, I think that's what happened. Um, because why is she there? And then why does he put a red mark on her face? Anyway, mm-hmm. Fair um, so he can tell people what to do and then they do it. So he like can tell a little girl, um, this really stood out to me. There's like, uh, he goes to New York because now he's searching. He has to find the little boy because the little boy has uh, so much shine, as they refer Mm -hmm. to it, Mm -hmm. that he is the one that can bring down the dark tower, which is what Walter wants. Walter, we've learned, wants to get rid of the dark tower to unleash all the bad spiders. Right. Um... Go ahead. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. You're you're doing great. Okay. So 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 that's why he's 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 after the little boy. Um, and a great example of his power was this little girl who's sitting having an ice cream cone with her mom, and she's smiling. And he he walks by her, and he just says something. He goes like, "Hate." And he points mm-hmm. at the little girl, and she looks at her mom like she hates her now. And in my head, I was like, "Oh, you didn't need to use magic for that. That was going to happen <laughs> in like a couple years." <laughs> But okay. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what he can do. He can make people do whatever he wants, except for what's his name, Reginald, Ronald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ronald uh, the gunslinger. For Ronald sure. the gunslinger. Yes. Roland. Roland. Okay. Roland. Yeah. He can't do that to Roland. Can't do it. <laughs> but he can do it to everybody else. Yeah. Yes, he, he notoriously he, says his magics do not work on him. Yeah, he's impervious yes. to the magics. Yeah. Um yes. the magics are somewhat ill-defined, I think, by this movie. You get the sense that Walter is very powerful, but they're not they're not very clearly defined. It seems he can kind of pop up as he pleases and do literally anything. So he's very overpowered. Uh which will 
which will uh, become a talking point later when we get to, uh, you know, how he is dispatched at the mm-hmm. at the end of this <laughs> film. Um, now, Jake travels via portal into uh, another world known as Midworld. And when he gets there, he encounters uh, Ronald the gunslinger <laughs> and and they he, he's very reluctant to have Jake uh, joining him on this quest. But, um, you know, he doesn't really have much of a choice uh, given the situation. Uh, how would you how would you describe Midworld in general based on what you see in this movie? What kind of place is that? Midworld looks like a pretty nice frontier. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of mountains, yes. a lot of shrubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they there seems to be some uh, decommissioned, uh, rotting fair fair toys and rides, mm-hmm. uh, which there's confusion about that. But then we move past it very quickly. Uh, we eventually get to like a shanty town. Wait, hold on. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but if we can go back to the amusement park for a second, mm-hmm. what were you thinking when an amusement park just with with Pennywise's name on it, no less, uh, suddenly appeared in this alternate world? I a hundred percent thought that I was going to see Pennywise. Mm. I a hundred percent thought, yeah, I a hundred percent thought that like the um, <laughs> uh, what do you call it, the the spider version of him, mm. yeah, was yeah. gonna like crawl out for a little bit. And I was actually kind of interested in that. I was like, oh, are we going to have this like fun little like tie-in crossover? And that actually <laughs> made me kind of scared. Um, it was probably yeah. the only time that I felt a <laughs> tiny bit of fear. And then they abandoned that. Mm. <laughs> yes. And I was disappointed. Did you have any theories as to why an amusement park might be popping up in an alternate dimension? Well. Like, did I you thought... assume it was just like something the people that used to live there built and it was just happened to be in the middle of a forest or did you like, what did you think about that? Yeah. I, I thought, Oh, okay. So, so this world obviously years ago was very similar to um, the boys reality or our reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so many bad things have happened that now we're in like a dystopian future, but that the world maybe were not actually that different. Okay. That's okay. good. I can yeah. go with that. What am I, I missing? No, don't worry about that. We we just we we, we want to experience this pure. Uh, there's no okay. sense in in correcting any of this as we go along. Like this is exactly okay. yeah. What we I we can circle around and answer any questions you have at, at the end of yes. Your yeah. your uh, your telling and understanding. Right right now, you're under the microscope, trying to yeah. trying to see well, like what makes sense to a, a newbie and what doesn't. But I yeah, gotta say, this it is, didn't make any sense to me. Right. Yes, this is going swimmingly. This is exactly <laughs> what I thought was going to happen. Um, okay, so they come to a village, you mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. What what goes on in the village? Well, everyone's very clean. Um, yes, seeming, remarkably. Yeah, remarkably clean and pretty. Um, gosh. Uh, Jake makes eyes at a, at a, a little Amish girl. He, mm-hmm. he does. And it's funny. Yeah. I missed that until the end when she's like crying about the goats and he's like, we got to get out of here. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, he's like sweet on this girl. I, mm-hmm. I missed that in this one scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really couldn't get over how clean it was. But apparently uh, this is like a a ragtag group of survivors uh, trying to homestead uh, this new world after some type of apocalypse. Mm-hmm. 
And the gunslinger is very important. He's the last one of his kind. Yeah. What do you, I think it's during this stretch that they mention that, uh, you know, uh, Ronald's dad, Arthur, uh, like gifted his, his, his guns to him or, you know, gave him his guns originally or something. And one of them is called Excalibur. Uh, so what did you, what did you take away from that? Well, that was one of the things that was incredibly well explained by Walter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like so much so that I felt like there was no room for questions. Uh, that gun was made from King Arthur's sword in the stone. Yes. In some way. And it is valiant and true, like a good horse. That's very true. Very true. So, But he doesn't um, want to use it. He's not pure of heart anymore. He only wants revenge. And, and here we're talking about Ronald, yes? Yes, Ronald. Okay. Um, it's here, it, also in this in this chunk of the movie, where we first get to see him really unleash with these guns. Um, how did you feel about the gunslinger's powers? He does some pretty impressive stuff here, like trick shot stuff and uh, uh, proves himself pretty adept with a weapon. Uh, were you impressed by that? Were you uh, like, well, what do you what do you think of his skills? Well, I couldn't get over that once the the baddies came and he started doing all of his uh, gun tricks that I immediately thought I was watching a Star Trek movie. Oh, immediately, really? I'm like, oh, I'm in Star Trek now, which I love mm. Star Trek. Um, yeah. So his bullets are very fast. Mm hmm. And they seem to have a, a mind of their own. They kind of reminded me of those bullets in Roger Rabbit. <laughs> you know, they can talk and kind of do their own thing. They just need like the oomph of the gun push to, yeah. to get started. Um, yeah. So um, I would say that Mr. Gunslinger was very talented. He killed all the baddies. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's impressive. It is. So they they clear this village of or they, I should say, like uh, Ronald does, clears out the village of all the baddies. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what's the next step where, where what's the next beat on their quest? Are they? Um... Well, they got to get through this portal. Yes. Uh, now, were you and, and, and they travel back to New York, right? Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> <laughs> now, um. This part, uh, my friend that I was watching with this morning pointed pointed this out to me, and it was something that hadn't occurred to me before while watching the movie, in that Jake has already gone through a portal in New York, so he knows where one is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are looking for a portal when they come back to New York. They're, they're trying to get uh, Ronald some medicine so he can get fixed and then right, go back. Right, because America has the best medicine and healthcare plan. That is That is true. That is true. Um, don't think he's covered, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. So, so many, so many of us aren't. And then, um, oh, I'm blanking on what happens at that. Okay. Point. I can no. help you out here. Okay. Go let, for it. Let me help you out. Okay. The New York section, um, yes. was, was a big highlight for me. Uh, you got, you got talking raccoons, mm-hmm. uh, that are technically in a commercial, but, uh, Ronald does say like, oh, do your animals still talk here? Which I was like, whoa, 
we, we got to know more about this, but they just let that go. You know, they, they don't give <laughs> right. us any resolution on that, which was a bummer. Uh, so he's, he's hooked up to some type of IV in a bed. Uh, the doctor comes in and says, you have all types of, everything's wrong with you. You need to stay for at least one more day. And he's like, nah, I'm good. And he rips it out. And they're like, we just got to get to the next portal. And he gives them like a button because he thinks a button is money. Mm. Uh, and everyone's confused, <laughs> but they don't stop him. And they don't ask any questions about why this older man and young boy seem to be partners in crime. They just, they're out. Um, uh, Mr. Gunslinger slut shames some, some girls on a bus, <laughs> uh, which was very much uncalled for. Yes, Not modern of him at all. They you weren't even the being your father. They weren't no, they even were being flirting. that bloody. Yeah. No, they were just flirting with him. It's like, take a compliment, bro. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, he gets very interested in sugar. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he wants the sugar. I don't know what they were trying to do with this New York bit. It's like they were trying to put comedy into this. Mm-hmm. And, fish out of and, water. Type yeah, fish out of water. And like, bless Idris Elba's heart because he is so talented and I love him. And I could truly watch a version of this movie that was way more centered around him. And I'm just like, he's trying his hardest. And there's just not a lot to work with here. Anyway, they make mm-hmm. it to a new portal. But on their way there, they get way late at a gun shop. And he takes all the bullets, but then he's tricked. He's tricked by Walter into hitting the security system and the, and the, the gate comes down trapping the little boy on the street and Ronald inside the gun shop. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, Uh, let's sidebar here for a second on Idris Elba. Like as, as Molly has already very astutely pointed out, (laughs) excellent actor, kind of adrift in this movie. Um, Don't you think it's interesting that we all agree Idris is one of the best actors of this generation yet, he keeps appearing in these in these movies that are like sort of intended to be roles that are either franchise starters or something he could keep coming back and playing. Hmm. And yet most of them aren't very good. Do you know what I mean? Like I like that's my opinion that he he has taken on a lot of projects that under the right direction with the right script would have been like, you know, huge fucking like delivered him a franchise and they, Mm. and, and they just do not. Um, What do you make of that? Well, give me another example of one of the ones that could have been franchised. Um, Hold on. Let me pull up a, (laughs) (laughs) cause he dies in Pacific Rim. There's one right there. Mm. But he dies. Yeah. uh, Okay. Fair. Um, mm -mm Hmm. I guess he's in Thor. Okay. Okay. And he dies. So in, he dies in the Marvel movies too. Yeah, but he gets like he gets multiple. Maybe these aren't franchise starters. Maybe I'm I'm talking out of my ass a little bit. Maybe <laughs> but, Suicide, um, Suicide okay. Squad. If, if not, you know. if not franchise starters, yeah, Suicide Squads uh, would maybe, maybe maybe fit into this. But like, what I'm what I'm really trying to say is that I feel like he should be a much bigger star, you know, and that. Right some of the projects he's done, like, you know, I don't know, rock and roller or 
the unborn. You know, there's a, there's a number of credits on his list where it, it feels to me like he is maybe not. I don't know. I feel like I feel like he deserves better material and he gets really great material sometimes. Beasts of no nation, I think, mm-hmm. you know, despite, you know, uh, if we can, you know, separating all the bullshit going on with Fukunaga these days, which is insanely inf- unfortunate um, or, you know, um, any of the other politics involved with that movie. He is fucking electric in that thing. Yeah. You can't take your eyes off of him. Well, and, he'll always be Stringer Bell for me. Right. You but know, meanwhile, I'm. I'm 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 seeing trailers for him like in a movie where he punches a lion and I'm just like <laughs> right. dude you could be like man we got to get you a better a better thing. Like do y'all not get that feeling at all? Maybe it's just me on this. I think I think in order um to have a career as an actor cuz when you're working a lot cuz that's what he has, right? He has a a very um uh a, a large career. Uh, yeah. some of your stuff is going to vary in quality and honestly you don't really have anything to do with that. Like who knows what the original script was that he read for any of those projects. And then by the time everyone gets their, their hands in the pie and it turns into this other thing, um, you just don't have any control over that. So I think he actually makes really good choices. And then I think sometimes things happen outside of his control as they do with any performer who is lucky enough to actually have a career because there's no That's such fair. thing That's as fair. only having good movies. It's, yeah. it's just not possible. Like I, I wish it was, but um, as, as y'all know, for my little mermaid story, like that's just not how I see the world. <laughs> and I think that's okay. And, and I like, if anything, I think it shows that Idris is very playful and that he believes in like big ideas. So I think I'm just waiting for whichever franchise it is that he's going to star in, that's going to, you know, be 10 movies. Like for me, like I would love to see him as Bond. Like when, when those rumors started circling, Mm, I was like, yes. In fact, when I was watching this movie, I was like, Bond, 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 Bond. he should be Bond. And you know, who knows if that'll happen or whatever, but he is going to land it. He's just circling it. You know, he's just circling the prey of his movie franchise and we're all going to be there standing for it. (laughs) Or you know, it's po- or it's possible it's the end of the mist and he never finds it and he just becomes <laughs> he just becomes this great uh, you know working character actor and that that I mean that's the thing is that that Elba's a leading man he's got the charisma of a leading man but he's also as you pointed out he's not shying away from these funner more ridiculous things which is something I actually really love about him he'll do the yeah. giant kaiju movie and then he'll do his Oscar Beatty, you know, drama, and then he'll come and do, you know, Dark Tower. He'll do the I'm going to punch a lion movie. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, but I mean, he's I'll always bringing this. it. And that's kind of the the thing that, you know, one of the takeaways you get from this movie is that, yes, he's kind of aimless a, as a character and they kind of fuck up what makes Roland Roland in this. And we'll get into that maybe a little bit later. But um, still, he's he has these moments where it's like, that's why you cast Idris Elba in this role where mm-hmm. you believe that he carries the gravitas of somebody who is the last of his kind, right? You believe oh, yeah. that that he'll you know that that he can sell the comedy in the in the New York stuff. Like that scene in the hospital you described is like hands down my favorite scene in the movie. And uh uh yeah, and in large part because of the way he deadpan plays it and totally sells it. So mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean I applied like all the leading actors in this movie I thought it was really impressive. I think uh, the 
the the the the young kid i thought he was great and mm. being so open with his face and just allowing like the grief like when he realizes his mom is dead like yeah. he was so good that it it took me out of um whatever feelings i had about the movie <laughs> right. and i was like oh my god like i i believe i believe him uh and those things are really hard to do when you're taking a chance and, and you're doing fantasy. Right. Um, I also think, just just in general, I think people, I wish they would let the fantasy genre breathe a little bit more. Hmm. You know, I think a big reason that the Lord of the Rings original franchise was so huge for everyone, whether you had read it or not, is because, you know, the first half of the first movie, you could almost call it boring. Like, mm. it's very pretty. It's rolling hills. You're taking your time understanding this bond between this wizard and this hobbit. And you love everyone just enough that when shit starts to go down, you're invested. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like that lesson has not been taken as seriously as it should be. Hmm. That's I fair. I agree. I agree. And just certainly to, something this movie could have benefited from for sure. Is, exactly. Yeah. And just to revisit the Idris thing again, should not have used the word franchise. Um, probably overstating things because everything you're saying is true. I think it's just so. So I'm saying I'm wrong. So no one needs to yell at me about this. I time. love to be right. I love um, to be right. <laughs> yeah, you're you're right. But uh, but I'll add to it. I think it's just I want I want more for Idris. I love that guy yeah. so much. I want. I wanted him to be like that, that triple a name actor that is like opening movies that are pe right. that people are showing up for. That's how much I love that guy. So, so I'm probably we love you, that Idris. We yeah. love you. Yeah. Even though Jane. you've turned us down on coming on the show. Before. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, twice I might add, but, uh, but, uh, uh, but yes, but we love still, the we guy. Still I just, I just want good things for him. And you know, I'm probably letting that cloud my judgment. So I, I probably shouldn't have come at it from that angle, but your heart's Let's in the get, right place, and and we yeah, and ultimately you're right. This is a, a guy who should be he should have his own Mission Impossible franchise of some. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he yeah. should have something that's bam, that's him, that's the character he's going to be. You know, remembered for that'll they'll play. You know, in Oscar reels for you know a hundred years from now. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So let's get back to the movie. Uh, we're now in the home stretch. Um, they've gone back to New York, uh, Jake and Roland, and they are, um, they're, they're heading into their final showdown, uh, because well, Jake gets, gets kidnapped. What, what happens with all that, Molly? Well, like you said, Jake gets kidnapped and, mm -hmm. uh, he's very sexily pushed into the chair by Matthew <laughs> McConaughey because he just cannot control his sexiness. He's a sexy mm -hmm. man. He's a sexy bad man. Yes. Uh, and, you can and tell because try, of the coat. Yes, yeah. well, and because of the the black shirt, you know that yes. that it's just open just enough. You know, he's teasing us with his pectorals. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I write fanfic. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> strap him into the chair. They try to take out his juicy shine. And mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry. Let me. I'm sorry to pause you here, but uh, you keep using the word juice in relation to <laughs> the shine. I'm wondering. I'm wondering what what is a what in your mind is equating the the telepathic powers with juice? Do you it's mean like just, energy juice? No, it's really just from Rick and Morty when they say turbulent juice. 
And that's all I can think of. So it's like a turbulent juice. It's a juicy okay. shine. <laughs> okay, a I'll lot take of it. it. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's a fair question with a ridiculous answer. No, best answer I could have could have hoped for, frankly. Um, but, but he's so powerful. He's yes. so powerful that somehow um, he can keep the portal open, which they keep trying to close the portal because that'll stop Idris from uh, coming in to save the kid because Mr. Magix is very afraid of Gunslinger. Yes. Mm-hmm. He, he's afraid of him. He He's taunting him, but he is afraid of him. He doesn't really want him messing up his plan. Uh, if I remember correctly, they do get a shot off of, of the beam and it does damage the tower. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like we're all kind of scared because we know now that if the tower falls and all the spiders come out. The spiders thing too. I want to talk about that. What do you mean by the spiders come out? They all look like spiders. There's like the big red, <laughs> big red viscous, like a like a giant blood vessel, and on the other side of it are like the weird Cthulhu spider looking guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So you're talking about the monster that comes through, like through a, a like a portal earlier in the movie, like near well, the. Well, that's what um, we're afraid of, right? Yeah. We're afraid that he wants to unleash this ultimate evil. Uh, well, okay. Okay. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Are we not afraid of the spider Cthulhu's? Um, <laughs> I mean, I suppose we are. I don't think that's the ultimate threat here. I don't think what? by toppling the. T- I don't think by. T- I don't think the movie is telling you that by toppling the tower, it it's going to overrun the the known and unknown universe with spider monsters. Um, I hate but- to tell you, but that's what I got. Yeah. Okay, and that's what that's what's important here, though. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to drift too much into. This is my truth. Yes, yes. And with that, please go on. Okay, thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, so the little boy is able to hold the portal open, and um, they just show a very impressive line of bodies that Mister Gunslinger has taken down. Everyone's dead on the roof. And so then he goes inside and they're formidable. It's a formidable army that are all coming at him. And he takes a deep breath because he's realized that he is now there for the right reasons because he 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 wants to save his friend. He wants to save his his boyfriend. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And and he does it. He takes a deep breath. He uses his credo. You know, he has not forgotten the face of his father mm-hmm. and, he, and he's triumphant. And, and before I'm pretty sure right before he can actually get through the portal, he tells Walter to face him. Mm-hmm. And so Walter comes through the portal. So now they're actually on the other side mm-hmm. and the boys in a separate room still trapped to his dental chair. <laughs> yes, that is true. Okay. So Uh-oh. now they fight and they fight because we discover, and I don't know if this was ever mentioned before, but Walter has, is that called telekinesis? What's that called when you can force, lift Force it? powers. Force powers. Okay. No, you're right. Telekinesis. Okay. He can move glass for some reason. Yeah. He can move everything. He's got I mean, carry powers. Yeah. yeah. Guys, didn't you notice that? Like he could move a pipe. He, he brought some rocks down and he's using the <laughs> rocks to, to stop all the bullets. 
which is, is like, you know, his, his, his Twitch muscles must be very well, um, exercised because he, those were small micro movements. You know, he's really having to do tiny little movements to keep those blocks oh, yeah. from hitting them. He is um, very clearly a, a, an overpowered wizard or deity of some sort. You know, if he can manipulate time, space, matter, all of these things, uh, the will of other living beings, um, he is virtually indestructible. But how does he get taken out eventually in this movie? Does something <laughs> fall on him? No. Uh, Roland, uh, Roland shoots twice, I believe, and the bullets ricochet off of each other in midair somehow, and one of them catches Walter in the chest. Then, yeah, because Walter, it must be pointed out if you haven't watched the movie, is really good at uh, Mr. Miyagi style catching bullets with his fingers. Yes, yeah, so, so that was my favorite part. Yeah, he, so like, he can somehow he like tosses them back with his little yep. finger, and he's like yeah. tossing them back. So, so Roland's superpowers is negated, but usually by his super fast uh, fingers. He catch much <laughs> like Mr. Miyagi catches flies with chopsticks. He catches True. bullets with his fingers and. Uh, so yeah, Roland ends up winning by, uh, thinking, making him think a bullet's going to go some way where he's going to pluck it out of the air with his fingers and then it ricochets off and it hits him in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. It it feels like they stole that from, um, what was that movie called where they, they, they could bend bullets. (laughs) The Wanted. Is that what that one was with Angelina Jolie and, uh, yeah. yeah. And James McAvoy. Yeah. 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 James McAvoy. Yeah. They just, they stole that from that movie. Come on. I you never know, saw that. Bullets. Oh, it's great. I saw it, it in Baltimore. Uh, and then there was 100% shootings in the parking lot after I saw that movie <laughs> as I was going to my car. Yeah, it's like it when you see a Fast and the bullets. Furious movie and you really want to speed on your way home. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, you watch Wanted then, and you just want to shoot guns out in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. But then, but then you're in Baltimore, so they're really doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so so he so he thinks he catches him. You know, he he thinks he gets him. He he at least makes him still. Mister Magix is now down for the count. Yes. yes, and he he saves his friend and invites him to go on more adventures with him. Mm-hmm. The end. The boy is an orphan. Dad dead. <laughs> stepdad dead. Mom dead. He's got nothing. Nothing left on Keystone Earth. He's got to go to the other world. He's got to go to the other world. Um, yeah, they were really setting it up for another movie. Oh, which yeah. is a yes. bit heartbreaking. Uh, <laughs> would you would you have watched another movie from this same creative team about this uh, following the story? Man, if they had been able to make another one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you oh, like the absolutely. movie? No, um, <laughs> uh, no, and, and I do want to make a point though. Because this is the other thing that I thought. Because no, I, I didn't like. I didn't like the movie. Um, <laughs> but I know there are probably kids out there who really did. Kids who who hadn't read the book, you know, who don't know anything that like went and saw this. And I say that because like, um, like I loved the original Daredevil. Mm-hmm. You know that came out at a time. The Ben I, Affleck was, one. Yeah. Okay. Where like I was not a comic book reader, you know, I, I didn't know anything. And this movie came out and it was cool and the music was cool and the costumes were cool. And there was a guy named Bullseye. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, and, and I loved it. I genuinely loved watching that movie. And I've never watched it as an adult. I'm sure it's terrible and that there are a lot of problems with it. Um, but it, that kind of memory always makes me be very open hearted to when I watch movies like this, especially when there's a young lead, because it must have been really exciting as like a boy around that same age going to see that movie with their dad or uncle, brother, whatever, and getting mm-hmm. to watch someone like them on on screen and this big adventure. Because that's what I think that's what we all want, or at least I know I, I wanted that then and I, I still want it now, right? I want to believe that there will be a magic portal and I get to go through it and get to go on an adventure. Like I'm still mm. hoping that happens. Uh, so I just, I just, with that caveat of knowing that there has to be people out there who loved it and I love that for them, but no, I did not like it, but I would watch a sequel because that shit would be very interesting. Did it make you more or less apt to read the books that inspired it. Okay. Well, you have to answer a question for me. Sure. Um, this cannot be in the book, right? None of this can be in the book. Yes. And when no. you say none of this, do you mean the entire <laughs> movie or? Well, I mean like the <laughs> kind of the structure like the book no. cannot be structured like this. No, right? no, 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 no. This okay. is, it's like a remix of elements from as we were watching it, you know, my friend had a lot of questions and I was like, mm-hmm. well, this part here, this is from book six. And then remember this scene. Okay. That was from book three. And then, and this mm-hmm. is all within like a 10 minute stretch, you know? So it's like this yeah. remix of, all these elements and the, and the lore itself has just been thrown in a blender. And I think that, you know, when rewatching it today and watching it, you know, through his eyes and, and knowing that I'd be talking to you very soon after, uh, and hearing it through your eyes, um, really helped me put, really helped put me in the headspace of, uh, somebody that is coming to this fresh. And what I kind of decided was like, it, it doesn't hook you enough that you would be in. It wouldn't hook me enough to inspire me to read the books. Mm. And I might not give a shit about another movie because it's all just so flat and, you know, kind of dull. Uh, whereas, you know, it should be this. Well, it should be what the books are, which is like, you know, this endless buffet of different genre flavors and, you know, hijinks and action set pieces and horror and all all that shit. Uh, it's just it's just not that. But at the same time, you know, as we've established over and over again on the show, uh, it's it's also not satisfying the 50 percent of the crowd that are, you know, king diehards and wanted to see this translated. And therefore, it fails in everything that it's mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. kind the, of the, my take. the books are page turners and there is nothing in the movie that like is propelling me to the next scene. You know, there's nothing that. There is no equivalent feeling in in the cinematic language of just like dying to see what happens next or falling in love with the characters enough to be, you know, so emotionally invested that like, what if they don't get out of this next, you know, situation, you know, how's Jake going to get past the, the, the door demon, you know, and and through the portal and, and, you know, all that stuff. There's uh, Oh, you mean the monster house sequence? The monster house sequence. Yeah. Which, (laughs) 
<laughs> Which, to be fair, that uh, uh, that is that Monster House uh, movie is very much cribbing from from Wastelands, which is what the the book that uh, the Dark Tower book that that that. Came oh, that's from. amazing! That's um, amazing! Very, very. Yeah, cool. it's, it's a great sequence in the book. The whole house comes to life. It's a big monster. There's an illustration of it in there in case you have a hard time picturing it. What it isn't is just a torrent of fucking you know CGI boards wrapping themselves <laughs> around a kid and then they just explode like 10 for, seconds for no reason right well, yeah I, you know Elon watched it with me and i think he said he said oh that kid would have so many more splinters <laughs> yes <laughs> and i was like yes darling yes yeah. he would yeah jake but as i say jake in the book is pretty pretty messed up by the time he gets through that portal like he's missing half mm. of his clothes and you know it's like he's you know his shirt's torn to shreds his pants are gone his you know he's he's cut up his legs are cut up and and all that. Yeah, that makes you know, sense. It's a, it's a birthing scene in the in the book, which is oh. you know, this thing where he kind of rebirths on the other side in the middle of like oh, a wow. rainstorm and torrential rain and like all this other stuff. And there's lots of crazy shit going on uh, there. But yeah, I mean that's the problem with the movie is that they've taken all these great elements and they've they've thrown them all together. They've like you said, they've given it a lot of word salad. So it's kind of confusing when they try to explain it, they over explain it and it's both overcooked and underbaked at the same time. And I don't know quite how they were able to do that. Um, so it's both, it's dense and it doesn't make any sense. And, and, uh, uh it's like a dump cake. If you've ever yes. had one of those. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone right. who hasn't had that, uh, can you explain Molly? Oh, sure. Uh, a dump cake is uh, where you take a baking pan and you dump a cup of flour, uh, a cup of whatever canned fruit you have around, a mm. cup of sugar, I believe um, a stick of butter, and then you just kind of twist it around in there. You stir it up a little bit, throw it in the oven for an hour, and it's sludge. It's <laughs> a dump cake, and people eat it. And that's that's a pretty that's great depressing. analogy for the Dark Tower movie. So, oh my god! Well, I mean, I if you guys have 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 learned anything about me, I am now incredibly curious to read the book because I didn't even realize how perfect my Little Mermaid analogy would be. But like, <laughs> I know this movie is wrong, and I'm gonna figure out <laughs> something's not the right. Right here. version, <laughs> and I can't wait to do that. Like that makes me really curious because I well, know the idea is good. Well, I, I want to point out a couple of things that uh, big, big, deep choices that they make in, in this movie that uh, are very confounding to dark tower readers. Um, the first and foremost, and I understand why they do it, but, uh, but first and foremost is the character of Roland in the movie is somebody who just wants revenge, right? He just wants to kill the man in black. That's all he cares about. He wants to kill Walter. Um, and he doesn't, he's sworn off his quest to protect the tower. He's sworn off all that stuff. Uh, the book is, his character is only about the quest. And that is the bedrock of that character that he will, the mm. quest is the only thing that's important. He doesn't let anybody close to him because they're all hindering him in his quest to the dark tower. Right. And, so in the movie, you know, I understand that they want to strengthen that relationship between him and Jake by making Jake give him the spark that reignites his passion for the Dark Tower quest, right? Mm. Uh, and I understand the thought behind it, but it's so radically 
doesn't understand the character by doing it that way. It, it feels like an easy fix, like th- that a, a bunch of people sat around in a room saying, well, this is how we can motivate this by changing this part of our lead. And like, to me, fundamentally, that is the, the biggest like foundational issue with it, throwing away the structural stuff, throwing away, taking bits and pieces from all seven books. And as Scott said, throwing them into a blender or, dumping them into a cake Uh, (laughs) and uh, you know, setting all that stuff aside, the foundational issue and probably what I think might be what we're talking about with Idris, who shows these flashes of being perfect for this role. And maybe this is what he was struggling with is that, you know, Roland, his arc is as a cold character who learns to love. And that's not the character here. Like we don't get that, that hard ass, um, guy in quite the same way, the ruthless, you know, only one thing on his mind, you know, and they're trying to make that killing Walter, but even that he just seems to be half-assed doing, right? It's not like mm-hmm. you see that grim determination, you know, in him yeah, throughout it, the thing, it, you know? It felt like he is supposed to be the lead and he was like a supporting to uh, Mr. Magix and the <laughs> right. young boy. And like that felt weird. I yes. was like, I feel but, like I'm supposed to be watching you, but they're not giving me you. Right. And then they're they're treating you like you're going to be a surprise later. But am I going to care later? Like that's a that's a really big <laughs> risk. Yeah, they make Jake the lead of the of the movie. The movie 100%. opens with him. I mean, it's which that's you know, what they it, did at that your, time too. His like, point of view, child led yeah. fantasy was such a moment. You know, right. every studio wanted their child-led fantasy. For sure. Uh, the Harry Potter and, mold, the Aragon mold. Yeah. Exactly. And right. and for me, I'm like, I don't know. I always feel this way. I'm like, just because people liked this, because it was novel and new, doesn't mean they want it again four times. They liked it because it was new. Right. So instead of trying to take a what seems to be an incredibly popular franchise like Dark Tower and turning it into young adult fiction, like tell the story you got. Like I don't think you needed to mess around this much right. with the fan base that you had. Because like what are you counting on, right? Are you right. counting on relying on your fan base or are you counting on like I, I really don't know who they for, thought was for sure watch it was- this or who was gonna be happy. Right, for sure they thought it was the latter. It's just like, well, the Dark Tower Dark Tower is still kind of niche when it comes to fantasy fans. I, I'd say even within the world of fantasy and and people who read that kind of stuff, Dark Tower is still like in a a more, I don't know, secluded area. You know, it's definitely yeah. not on the the same popularity as like the Wheel of Time books or the the Game of Thrones books or whatever. Um Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones books. Um <laughs> So I can understand they're like, well, we need to make this appeal to larger audiences. But the thing is, the reason why people are so fanatical about Dark Tower as a book series is because it's risky. It's horny as fuck. It is hard (laughs) R rated. You know, there's violence and, uh, you know, gun barrel abortions and, you know, like demon rape. I mean, there's all this crazy shit that happens you know, in this thing that, you know, you start off thinking it's just a kind of a Stephen King doing a Western. Um, and there's no hint of that really in the movie. There is no hint of th- 
this is you know risky this is dangerous in much the same way that george rr R. martin's game of thrones you know uh, series is risky and dangerous you know and and mm-hmm. it, it just feels tame you know uh, through the movie it feels tame and dull and by Neutered. the numbers and dictated by committee and that's the Mm. You know, and that's the the biggest issue with the movie, especially, you know, and why people who love the books are, you know, are so turned off by the movie, because it's like it takes everything that we love about the books, the specialness of the books and just homogenizes it to the point where it just makes it not interesting to to the, you know, the point where we like Scott and I, we both kind of agree that it's like this doesn't even pique a curiosity in somebody to see what what the fuss is about in the books, even if the movie didn't work, you know, mm, that's a real bummer. No. I'm, I'm sorry about that. You know, it, it's always sad to me when when people two ways and sometimes they happen at the same time trust your source material it's not going to steer you wrong if if it's strong enough if if it's grabbed you enough to want to make it into a movie trust it you know because making films is always a gamble you you never know if it's uh gonna be great or bad or if it's great if people are gonna care you really don't know so i say take a bigger risk trust your material and then also you know, trust your actors. I, I think actors get um, overly directed. Uh, and and I think that you see that in, in this movie too, of like, man, I feel like he'll really push them into, like you said, these kind of boxes for characters that you needed to have in this movie instead of letting them be complicated beings with multiple things on their mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's that's really the bottom line on this fucking thing. But the good news is that But y'all, I also love Moonfall. So, of course, there are elements <laughs> of this movie that I liked and that's why I would watch a sequel. <laughs> <clears throat> well, the the good news is that Dark Tower the Dark Tower movie made such a little dent. But I do think there's plenty of opportunity for someone who knows what the fuck they're doing to come in and make this in the way that that it needs to be made and and hopefully uh that'll happen sooner rather than later Mm. and all we can do in the meantime oh i'm not who would you want to see do that well i'm not going to speculate on that on the air um but (laughs) (laughs) but uh i do think that i think odds are good we're going to see it you know, within our lifetime. And uh, I, I don't think there's any chance that it could possibly be any more convoluted or uh, boring than this version of the Dark Tower was. And so that's a thing to hold on to. So that's sort of sort of how that's how I feel after rewatching this again for well, first time in two years. Yeah, and you're right. The, the The impact of the movie was such a fart in the wind that like nobody remembers it. Nobody's going to hold it. This will be one of those things like inevitably we're going to see this when the MCU Fantastic Four comes out. Like people are going to be, did you know that there was a whole series of Fantastic Four movies? You know, that came out before right. and Chris Evans was in it, you know, like pe- people are going to have that kind of thing. If somebody, you know, finally does Dark Tower and does it well, then you're going to see youtubes and tiktoks and shit that are gonna be like did you know there was a movie made in 2017 or whatever yep. <laughs> you know like yeah this is uh it it damaged the brand only in that 
I don't see another studio taking a, um, you know, kind of the same traditional approach to this, right? Not a feature, so, in other words. Not a feature, would, right. Yeah, it would work better as a series. Yeah, it's got it's got it. I mean, and, and you know, Amazon almost had it, and then, you know, with Glenn Mazzara, and then they... They uh, scuttled that, unfortunately, and you know, but it, it feels to me like, like you know, this this story is just too fun, and the fan base for it is you know grows by the year. Like the the people who were in the Dark Tower when I was initially reading this, you know, has it feels like that army has grown you know a thousand times over, you know, oh, since, for sure, for sure, since yeah. the olden days, and so it's uh you know people like I said because people who read it and love it they get you know, evangelical about it. You know, they, they want to get other, they try to convert others. You know, that's just, that's just the, the way these things work. And if, and if, you know, they're not, if they're not familiar with it beforehand, you know, the dark tower is the kind of story where there's something in there for everyone. You got romance, you got horror, you got sci-fi, you know, you've got apocalyptic shit, adventure, Western, you know, it's like, it touches on every possible genre at one point or another. So, you know, it, It'll take it, it would take time to unfold in that way where you can get all those flavors. But, you know, I do think that um, there's certainly an audience for it. And for for, you know, talking in the context of a show, um, you know, delivering to a number of different uh, types of viewer. Yeah. So. Yeah, I and, think it'll and happen. Just we know the reality of streaming too. Everybody's looking for the next Game of Thrones, and this potentially could mm-hmm. be it. This is like this perfect like middle ground between Westworld, like season one of Westworld and Game of Thrones, right? So it, with a big Stephen King's a big name, and so there's a little prestige attached to that. I don't know. It just all everything points to this being a streaming series at some point. There's just no, mm-hmm. it, it's a question of when, and I guess there, there's probably a shit ton of rights things that they have to figure out, but it's like, uh, you know, somebody at some point's gonna, you know, some Jeff Bezos is going to fork over, you know, half a billion dollars for it or something. You know, it's just, that's the, uh, it just feels like an inevitability, uh, you know, at this mm-hmm. point. So, well, we'll see. Um, I'm there for it. I'll yes. watch it. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And you'll be you, like, wait a minute, this didn't happen in the movie. <laughs> I'll be the one making the TikTok. <laughs> Why is the man in black not throwing glass around willy-nilly? Yeah. Willy-nilly. Well, <laughs> Molly, this was this was a a, a a real fun to to hear the perspective of a, of a non-Dark Tower reader go through this movie. Uh, we thank you for being here. Uh, where can people find you? What do you have coming up next? What do you want to promote? Oh, I really just came on here to have a good time with y'all. But um, <laughs> people can people can find me on Twitter at Molly Quinn ninety three. Uh, also on Instagram at Molly Caitlin Quinn. Uh, the next thing is I'm actually uh, I do some work in the fall of the House of Usher, so Ooh. I'm oh, really nice. excited. Yeah, for that show to come out for a billion reasons, uh, and it was a very different character for me to play. Uh, and I hope it comes out as shocking as I tried to make it. No. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> I, I suppose you can't tell us anything about the character yet. I mean, that's basically it. Like, it just should be shocking. Shocking. We will keep that in mind when it comes out. And, of course, we're looking forward to that. As we do anything, uh, Dr. Mike Flanagan 
touches. I keep forgetting he's also got that midnight club. Midnight yeah. club. Midnight club. The waiting in the wings. Yeah, he's a very I'm busy so man. I'm so excited to see it. It yeah. looks just right up my alley. Just kids in pain. <laughs> is that well, your love language children in basically <laughs> that's why you love the ending of the mist so much the kid gets shot <laughs> yeah, that's true i think we're well, perfect we have a breakthrough here molly I think <laughs> yeah. it hey 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 i pay my therapist <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us today this was a delight and um we look forward to whatever you do next oh thanks guys thanks for having me on this was really fun Many thanks and many apologies to Molly Quinn. We're sorry we made you watch The Dark Tower all by your lonesome. <laughs> but uh, it had to be done, and I'm really glad that Molly was the one to do it. Yeah, and I don't think she hated it. That's know? true. It was uh, it was an interesting experiment, and um, apparently not as confusing as we thought it would be. You know, she got maybe a couple names wrong and a few <laughs> of the details wrong, but that's that's understandable for a for a first watch that's throwing that much shit at you. Let's talk about what we're doing next week. Ooh, next week's going to be a fun one. So next week, the title is The Stand. Biggin. And the guest I'm really excited about. It's, uh, let's see, what can we say about our guest? She is a very well-known comedian, writer, and podcast host. And somebody mm-hmm. who was very influential, actually. In the format of the King cast, at least as, uh, you know, I was originally thinking about it, you know, back when uh, I approached you, Scott, to come on and yes, yes. join it. So I had this uh, person's podcast in my mind a lot. It's one of my favorites. Um, and uh, if I say too much more, you're going to narrow down really quick. This is somebody, if you listen to podcasts, you know who this person is. And, I will uh, offer the following warning, though. This, Although the... The episode is about the stand. We go all over the map. That's sort of the backbone of the episode, but we're also going to be talking about uh, Firestarter a bit. There's some Running Man talk in there. It and the long walk. It the long yeah. It's she, she's a big king nerd, so like we we kind of discovered that, and we also kind of go a little bit into her area of expertise. Which again, if I tell you what it is, you'll just know instantly. So they've I'm already keep a, it out. keep a little bit of mystery there, but. Uh, <laughs> But yes, very funny, uh, very happy to finally get her on the show. This is a little bit of a dream come true for me because this is, like I said, this is uh, a podcast I listen to on the rig. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think it's the last time we'll be hearing from this particular guest. We uh, recorded with her today. It went very well. Everyone had a good time, as they always do here at the KingCast. I don't mean to suggest otherwise, so don't even <laughs> think that. Um, and let's see, this week's bonus episode is going to be a, uh, Tales from the Kingcast mailbag episode where, uh, we're taking your questions via the Patreon right now. I just posted a, uh, a call for questions, gave out our, uh, the company's email address, um, the Kingcast, not Fangoria. <laughs> Don't be emailing Fangoria, but, um, you know, if you have a question for us about, pretty much anything this is your time to uh send it in and there's a pretty good chance we'll read it on the air um unless we have answered it in one of our previous installments of this long-running series or have discussed it on the show you know um we're looking for questions that uh we haven't been asked before Mm -hmm. and uh that weeds out about 50 percent of them every time so (laughs) it's uh it's tough to get one in but if you get one in uh, we'll, we'll happily answer it for you on the air. Ask about Stephen King shit. You can ask about 
you know, uh, how the podcast comes together. You can ask if you have some questions about the upcoming Banger and Bangor that we're planning. And, you know, we're an open book. Send us your questions. Yeah. If it's a question we can't answer, we're just not going to bring it up. Probably. So probably. So ask yeah. away. It'll, it'll be answered or it won't be. <laughs> and uh, another thing for the patrons. Uh, remember, tomorrow we are putting up uh, a handful of those VIP tickets for the Banger and Bangor trip. The people in our Gunslinger tier will have access to a link where they can uh, enter the Thunderdome and try to get one of those tickets. Um, we <laughs> think it's going to be a bloodbath, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, someone's got to pick them up. And uh, we're, we're excited to find out um, who gets in there. And, well, ho- hopefully we don't get yelled at too much by the people who, who don't. We wish there were a, enough of these VIP tickets for everyone, but I do want to remind everyone listening, not just the patrons, that even if you don't get the VIP tickets, uh, we're going to have plenty of tickets uh, up for pre-sale on Friday where you can just come to the show. You come to the show. We're going to be there for some hours. Uh, the poster, the exclusive poster is going to be there for individual sale. There's going to be a bar in the room. Wait till you see the inside of this place. It's really cool looking. And uh we're going to do a pretty lengthy show in there that night, and uh, there'll also be a poster signing and all that bullshit. So really, all you're missing out on is uh, a private dinner we're doing with the VIPs and, uh, you know, the tour with with Mike and Kate. Um, if you if you want, you could stay around in town an extra couple of days and take the tour yourself. Make a trip out of it. We highly recommend it. It's just we only had so many seats to work with for the VIPs, so. Don't be discouraged if you get locked out of that. There's plenty of opportunity for you to come up there and get involved. For sure. It's going to be a blast. And uh, if you've never made the trip to uh, all of our shared Mecca there, the land of Stephen King, this is a hell of an excuse to do it. So uh, we've been hearing from a lot of listeners that are uh, already booked their their tickets, their plane tickets and Airbnbs and lodging. It's uh, it, that uh, makes my cold, dead heart grow a couple of sizes and I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see everybody there in, in Bangor, Maine this October. Yes, there's a, there's at least a decent chance that we won't go broke having put this together. <laughs> so we'll find out. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So next week we have the stand in the main feed and we have uh, that mailbag that we talked about for our bonus episode on Friday. This is true. That is the summary of this week in KingCast. This and next week. All right, folks. Adios. Later. The KingCast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director. And editing is done by yours truly. Mm-hmm.